What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we're going to do a Saturday mailbag podcast. I'm going to go through some of the questions you guys sent over on Twitter this morning for our normal Saturday morning Q&A. Going to hit on a wide range of topics from the head coach search to the status of the GM to Darnold to the NFL draft to free agency. Uh, Got a really good wide range of questions, so we'll make sure to hit on them all over the next half hour or so. Uh, heads up, I am watching my three-month-old son who is watching me record this podcast, and I could tell already rolling his eyes at me, probably about to repeat stuff I've said 87,000 times before. Um, So if you hear some noise in the background, that's just him. Uh, Two other PSAs. We're going to be part of the Overtime Media Podcast Network going forward. Uh, This podcast, the Play Like a Jet feed, and basically all that's going to mean is that it's going to increase our overall distribution We're going to work with them to further the reach of this show. You'll also hear some mid-roll ads integrated uh, going forward. And because of that, we're going to make sure and try to push episodes a little longer, particularly in the off-season. So look out for that on this podcast and on all the podcasts running on the Play Like a Jet feed. Uh, Also, statement games. We're going to have another contest live tomorrow. Uh, Jets-Packers game. I'll send the link out on Twitter. We'll send it out in the article that we publish uh, the podcast in. Basically, you sign up for free, you compete against us at TOJ, you rank in order of likelihood 10 statements that you think are going to happen in the Jets-Packers game, and whoever comes in first place gets a collection of different prizes. It's free to play. Uh, it works in a similar functionality to a DraftKings, except instead of picking players, you're picking statements that are going to happen in the specific game. So check it out, statementgames.com, free to sign up. We'll send out the link for the Jets-Packers game that we're going to be competing in, and uh, we'll push it out from there. All right, diving into the questions. Our first one was a four-part question uh, from Met-Jetfan at OMY7. Who is your favorite option for Jets head coach? This is a pretty tough question, I think, when you take a step back because this isn't the greatest market for going to hire a head coach. I think with Harbaugh, no longer an option. DeFilippo is a guy people were talking about at the beginning of the year who tanked out this year and got fired, so he's not on the table. You know the Jets are going to have interest in Mike McCarthy, which I'm not crazy about for reasons I talked about in the last podcast. So when you get by that, what are you really left to look at? I think a guy that I've mentioned a few times, and I keep getting people telling me I'm saying it the right way or the wrong way, is Dave Tube from the Kansas City Chiefs, their special teams coach and assistant head coach, Tube Tob. Feel free to jump into the comment section and say which one it is because I've had five different people say it goes the other way. Uh, why I'm interested in him, and he's been a guy who's been rumored as a potential head coach before. It hasn't happened yet. He's working alongside Andy Reid as his assistant head coach. He's been there for a few years and seen the infrastructure of that organization and what makes it successful. And I like guys with a special teams background, similar to John Harbaugh, because they have a history of working with both offensive and defensive players and less of a likelihood of siloing themselves to one side of the football. I think there's more of an inclination to sort of be that sort of CEO overseeing of everything that you need to be a head coach. Uh, And hopefully he's picked up a lot of stuff from Reed. Obviously the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach are going to be really critical hires for him. But I think in terms of the job description of a head coach, building a staff, working with a front office, game management, uh, I think he's a really interesting candidate. Outside of that, you know, the Jets are going to look at some of these popular offensive coordinators, you know, staying with Kansas City, with Eric Bieniemy, 
it's a bit of a roll of the dice, right? You don't know how involved he is and how responsible he is for that offensive success. You hope that he's picked up some stuff from Reed, but he's only been on that job for one year. And is he another Matt Nagy or, or is he not? Uh, you're always rolling the dice when you're moving an offensive coordinator to a head coach or a defensive coordinator to head coach because it's a really different job. So I think the enemy will be considered maybe Matt LaFleur if the Titans finish well, maybe Kevin Stefanski from the Vikings if they finish well. Uh, I think the Jets are going to have to cast a wide net. Uh, <laughs> we've talked a little bit about Carmichael from the Saints. He's another guy where you got to wonder how much of it is Peyton and how much of it is really him and why hasn't he become a head coach yet. A little wary about the Zach Taylor rumors, especially with how bad Goff has played recently. It's going to be interesting to see how they finish out down the stretch. I am very much in favor of the Jets trying to think outside the box and trying to be aggressive at the college level in hiring some of these guys who maybe might not have any interest, but you've got to go out there and be aggressive and take a swing. Go after Lincoln Riley, make him a blank check offer, make him say no. Same thing with Matt Campbell, same thing with David Shaw, same thing with some of these other guys who are being rumored to move from the college game to the program because you want someone who is plugged into who the talent is at the collegiate level and how the game is moving, how the game is headed. So getting someone from the college level, a fresh face, I think is an interesting route. And I hope the Jets do the necessary diligence at the college level. Chris Peterson, Pat Fitzgerald, some of these other names that are regularly rumored around, uh, you hope they do some digging and think a little bit outside of the box. But it's not the best market to be hiring a head coach, candidly, and the Jets have to compete against Green Bay and Cleveland. And Green Bay, you can say what you want. They have Aaron Rodgers, and that's a big draw, and that's a historic organization that has a lot of cachet behind it that certainly the Jets don't. And the Browns, the Browns have a lot of cap space. They have more built-in talent than the Jets. They have a GM who's been successful before, and they have a good young quarterback. It's a better situation than the Jets are currently offering. Right now, the Jets offer a top-five pick, a good quarterback, uh, a lot of cap space, but Cleveland could match that situation. And again, Green Bay has Rodgers. And the Jets are also likely hitching this head coach to a general manager who, unlike Dorsey in Cleveland, does not really have a track record of success. Uh, he's got a 24-38 and 38 record. So that's something a head coach is going to have to consider when he's thinking about coming to join this organization. All right, second of his four-part question, besides Bell, who is on your free agent wish list? So you, you guys know that I feel very strongly about the Jets making aggressive push for Le'Veon Bell. Whether that ends up being enough or not enough, similar to the Kirk Cousins thing, uh, we're going to see. But after that, I think the focus has to be on building the offense. It's going to be offense and pass rushers, but really offensive line, adding weapons, adding help for Sam Darnold. Go make a run at Parodies from the Broncos to play center. Go make a run at Saffold to be a guard for a couple years, even though he's already 30. Go make a run at Quinton Spain to improve your overall guard talent and depth. Dig into that offensive line market. Add as many bodies as you possibly can. The receiver free agent market is pretty weak. I think the Jets are going to have to look at trades if they really want to make a major upgrade there. Otherwise, you're looking at adding some spare parts. I think Tyrell Williams, interesting guy. I'm a little wary of paying him 8 to $10 million a year because he has a bit of a redundant skill set to Robbie Anderson, but more depth is better than less depth. I also think a tight end, Despite having Chris Herndon, having two tight ends is a positive thing, particularly when it's a weak receiver market. A guy like Demetrius Harris, could he thrive in a bigger role next to Chris Herndon? Uh, a guy like Tyler Croft or a guy like Jesse James, could they be a good complement to him? Add weapons, add depth, add people who catch the football. I think defensively, people are going to be really disappointed by this pass rusher market. 
I don't think Demarcus Lawrence, Jadavion Clowney, D. Ford are going anywhere. I'm not crazy about going Ansah with his age and his injury history. I think Fowler probably lines up to a guy they're going to overpay, and I'm not excited about it. He's basically producing at a Brandon Copeland level, and is only being hyped up because he was a top three pick in the draft. If he's not producing behind Ndamukong Su and Aaron Donald, he's not producing behind Mike Pinnell and Leonard Williams. Uh, another name that's been mentioned that's interesting is maybe Grady Jarrett, if the Jets do move on from Leonard Williams. He's a guy who has a different skill set than Williams and provides a little more pass rush juice. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Jets attack that market, but offense has to be the top priority. Uh, third part of this question was top three picks. If Bosa is there, do you pick him or trade down for a Hall of Draft picks? You take Bosa. Bosa... I hate using the G word, which is used every year now, has the potential to be a generational pass rusher, and the Jets desperately need that. And he's a unique enough talent where you take him and you don't look at trading back. I think if he's not there, I think trading back is a really strong consideration considering how many holes you have in this roster. You got to find a team who's hungry for a quarterback because trading back is always easier said than done. Uh, Number four, new GM or McCagnan with better scouts. I mean... You follow my Twitter feed, you follow my site, you know I think the Jets need to fire the GM along with the head coach. I'm open to a guy like Tobin from the Bengals, a guy like Douglas from the Eagles, uh, even maybe promoting Heimerdinger, and that's a risk because, candidly, we don't know what Heimerdinger is and isn't responsible for, and he might be just as bad as McCagnan, but at least you're taking a swing before he gets swiped because we know what we're going to get from McCagnan, and it's below average, so... I don't think the Jets are going to replace the GM. I wish they would make an aggressive look around at replacing him, but I don't anticipate it happening. Uh, this was a good question that I answered on Twitter, but I'll answer here as well from Captain Jet Sparrow. Modern NFL comparison to Chad Pennington. Didn't get to watch him growing up too much, which is a shame. I basically said a less mobile version of Alex Smith, who was a little more aggressive uh, and better in big spots with less talent around him. Someone else also threw out Teddy Bridgewater, which was a pretty good comparison as well. Pennington was a guy short on arm strength, played a little conservative at times, but when he got going was as accurate as it got in the NFL and did hit some big plays down the field to guys like Santana Moss and Lavernius Coles when needed. And there was a stretch there where it really looked like the Jets had a franchise quarterback, but Pennington just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, and was never really the same guy that he was when he first came on the scene during that 2002 season. Question from Jets Flight Crew at JL Jets 7. If the Jets pick three, Allen or Jonah? I go Jonah Williams in this spot. I'm a little hearing mixed reviews about Allen. I got to watch more of him myself, candidly, this offseason. But I feel like with Jonah Williams, you're getting a rock-solid starter on the offensive line for at least the next you know six to eight years, and the Jets need as many of those as they could get. Build that offensive line. Uh, next question from Brian Fields, Brian Fields 24. few questions about King Sam, so I will ask. Do any other teams in the league make it as hard for their young quarterback to be as successful as we do? Third and long, minimal playmakers, horrible play calls, conservative coach. Uh, it's a fair, fair question. I think Josh Rosen is in a really bad situation as well. I think I, you know Josh Allen, for my criticisms of him, is not in a good situation either. But Darwin's got it rough this year, man. Uh, you look at the defenses he's played. You look at how bad Jeremy Bates has been. You look at how bad Todd Bowles is. And you look at how bad Mike McCadden's been putting talent around him. You know, Three of his last four starts are against three of the top seven DVO defenses. And he played in Chicago with no Robbie Anderson, no Bilal Powell, no Quincy Inouye. Played this last game against Houston without Powell and Anua. He's out there throwing Andre Roberts and has Trenton Cannon playing major, major reps at running back. The Jets have made it hard for him, which has made his positive performances that much more encouraging. So you just got to hope that 
they moved the ball forward this year uh, on getting him some more support and getting him some more help overall. Let's see here. Next question from Kenneth Maduro. With the lack of offensive playmakers available in free agency, does it make sense to just build up our defense and use the draft to build up our offense? Short answer is no. The Jets need to try to improve their offense in both free agency and the draft. And it's not the greatest draft. Or I'm sorry, it's not the greatest free agency period for offensive playmakers. But the Jets got to be smart and creative. They gotta, if they can't get Le'Veon Bell, they have to aggressively go after Tevin Coleman. And if they can't do that, they got to look at how they could add talent at receiver or tight end. So don't be shy at adding a tight end like we talked about a little earlier in the podcast. Go get a Demetrius Harris or a Jesse James to add more depth and talent there. At receiver... You know, maybe you go pay a guy like Williams just so you have that much more depth and you have to look at the trade market. Is Mike Evans available? Is A.J. Green available? Uh, is Muhammad Sanu available? Where could you go find somebody who adds some more depth and talent to this group? It's all about this next two or three year window, taking advantage of that rookie contract and making life as easy as possible on Sam Darnold. So the Jets have to find a way. They can't just ignore offense and free agency and hope it works out in the draft because you don't know how the draft's going to break. And they don't even have a second-round pick as it stands right now. So that's not going to be enough to build support around Sam Darnold. Let's see here. Next question from Ezo Bricato. Ezio the Legacy. Interesting Twitter name. What's the biggest free agent signing you see the Jets pulling off? It's a tough question. I, I think they're, they're serious contenders for Le'Veon Bell. It depends how interested the Colts, Chiefs, and some other teams are. I think they're going to make a real run at him. I wouldn't say they're the favorites to get him, but 35 45% chance. I hope that that's the biggest one they pull off. If it's not, man, I, ho I hope they lay out some big contracts on the offensive line or make a big trade because if the answer ends up being their biggest free agent signing is Dante Fowler, this team's going to be in a lot of trouble going forward the next few years because it's just not enough to move the needle, and you just can't keep rolling over cap space year after year like a Ponzi scheme and say next year is the year where, where they're going to compete. And I'm going to write about this a little more in depth this week, and it's the problem with selling the dream around cap space because cap space is something that as the cap goes up for the entire league year after year, it's not necessarily always something that's definitely going to move the needle for you. And you just keep pushing back the year for expectations of winning. How many more years do we hear in the summer? Well, there's not a mandate to make the playoffs this year because of X reason. We're heading into year five now for this front office. How many years do you get to make the playoffs before you move on? Because I can tell you already, I've been watching this team my whole life and I've seen this movie before. The expectations for next year are going to be to win seven or eight games. And if the Jets win seven or eight games after winning four or five games this year, the narrative is going to be that season was a success despite not making the playoffs for nine straight years and five straight years for that general manager. So before this year, the discussion was the Jets have to win in 2019. That's what this all leads up to. It's already been moved back to 2020. Could you imagine the day the Jets hired Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles talking with someone and saying they don't need to make the playoffs until 2020 and it's okay. No one in their right mind would say that was okay. They would say they need to compete by 2017, 2018, even 2019 if you're being generous. And now we're pushed all the way back to 2020. And the more you spin this narrative, you could always find an excuse on why you don't have to win that year. You don't have to win in 2015 because it's a new GM and head coach. You don't have to win in 2016 because you went all in with veterans and it didn't work out. You don't have to win in 2017 because you're tearing everything down. You don't have to win in 2018 because you got a rookie quarterback. You don't have to win in 2019 because you got a new head coach. 
when does it stop? Is it, is it 2023 and we're in year 14 of this playoff trial? And it's like, well, you don't have to win in this year because Darnold just got a second contract. I, I, at a certain point, you got to draw the line and stop being satisfied by bouncing between 5-11 and 11 and 8-8. Eight and eight. And hopefully this organization realizes that sooner rather than later. Next question here from Josh Struver. What would you give up for A.J. Green in a trade? It's a good question. We've talked about this a little bit at length. It's tough because you're not going to give up a top five pick for him. A third round pick or a pair of third round picks is probably not enough. So really you want to find a way to acquire a second round pick. Leonard Williams trading back. I don't know. I think a second round pick uh, is probably the sweet spot for him. And look, there's a lot of question marks around going after him. He's coming off an injury. He's going to be 31. He's got one year left on his contract. That being said, the Jets are in a position where they have to take risks to move the ball forward because incremental progress ain't going to cut it. It's going to be three or four more years if you're relying on incremental progress. You've got to take some aggressive swings to make life easier for Sam Darnold and hope that A.J. Green goes back to being the top five receiver in the NFL that he is. And just think about how much better Sam Darnold will be from having him around there. So the Jets got to do some outside-the-box things that traditional team building doesn't necessarily line up with because the Jets are not in a traditional situation. They're the Cleveland Browns of the NFL right now. That's just the sad reality. Uh, Next question from... Jojo Lasap, why is everyone so set on moving on from Bowles? I think the first step needs to be to move on from Mac. I agree Bowles should be gone too, but Mac has been the bigger issue. Absolutely zero different makers. That's in the GM. I generally agree. I do think Bowles needs to go. Bowles is a bad coach, just like McCannon's a GM. It's not an either-or situation, which it always kind of devolves to. Is it Rex or Idzik? Is it Tannenbaum or Rex? Is it Mangini or Tannenbaum? It could be both. In this situation, it's both. It's a bad coach with a bad GM, which leads to a bad team. So... I kind of feel like you come in together, you leave together. But, you know, we've beaten that dead horse before. So we'll we'll move on to the next question. What improvements are needed to move the defense from average to elite? Um, It's a good question. And this question, I'm sorry, came from Jake Gould. I think, look, the obvious first answer is they need a difference maker off the edge to improve their overall unit. I think another thing that we're not talking about enough is just how much work is going to be needed at cornerback. You know, Tremaine Johnson's going to be 29 this year. He has not played particularly well this season. Morris Claiborne's on a one-year deal and has struggled down the stretch. Buster Screen's in his last year here. There's no young talent behind them who you're really excited about stepping into a bigger role. So the Jets got some work to do at corner somehow still after all the spending there, never mind adding more at edge rusher. So they take care of those things. Jamal Adams keeps developing. Uh, they'll get to being a legitimate top 10 unit. They're not there right now. They're probably like a top 16, 17 unit, if you're being honest with yourself. Uh, They need one or two more major additions uh, at cornerback and a pass rusher to really make that next jump into the top 10. Uh, Question from Strike94. Is there even a slight possibility the Jets would leave New Jersey and return to NYC to play build a new stadium of their own in Queens within the next 20 years 20 years is a long time you know the Jets had the the Hudson Yards West Side Stadium uh, situation which you know did not work out which was a shame I think although again I guess you could make an argument that you know maybe that wouldn't have been for the best it wouldn't have been great with the tailgating situation but um uh it's hard to say in the next 20 years the Jets invested a lot of money in this deal MetLife is drab and boring and not a great home field advantage it would be cool and i do think they have more of a fan base out in queens queens long island parts of jersey you know that's where your jets fans are 
but I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, you know, unless ownership changes, I really wouldn't bet on it. <clears throat> what makes fans, this is from 662 Jets fan. What makes fans feel that Le'Veon is a lock to come to the Jets? At age 27, he'll be 27 next season. I doubt he wants to be part of a rebuild, even with the cash. India has a better roster, more cash to spend. NYG might even be his first choice. They probably aren't his first choice, but I think, you know, especially coming off his situation, Le'Veon Bell's first choice is to make as much money as possible. And the Jets, you got to overbid because you're bad and you're not. The Colts are in a much better situation than you. They got a better coach, they got a better GM. They're probably going to be a playoff team this year. I just haven't seen anything from the Colts that would indicate that they're going to go spend big on a running back. They have Marlon Mack. Uh, they got the other dude, Himes, who's played pretty well this year. So Bell might want to go to the Colts or maybe saying that to drive up what the Jets will offer. But if the Jets offer $10 million more than the Colts, I don't know if I see him turning that down. And I think, you know, you might say, oh, what the hell? Like, the Jets have to overpay to do things like this. And that's why you have $110 million in cap space. What, what else are you spending it on? Are you... Uh, there's not that much talent out there. He's a rare talent who's on the Hall of Fame career track. It's a rare, unique opportunity. You go out and pay him, and you know you see where the chips lie, and you make life much easier for Sam Darnold. Let's see here. We'll do two or three more questions. Uh, I think this was a good one, and I answered it half serious on Twitter from JetLife RDT. Who do you believe Woody and Chris Johnson are listening to regarding the state of their team and next steps? It's a good and somewhat scary question. You know, the last time around, they worked closely with the league office and got the recommendations from Charlie Casserly and, and Wolf. And, you know, we see how that worked out. I really think Casserly was driving that process. Four years later, is that going to change? I don't know. Um, you know, previously they had used Corn Ferry as a search firm. Uh, Woody's obviously in London and an ambassador. He's not probably involved in day-to-day NFL league conversations, but is still going to have a heavy hand in this decision. You know, Chris is new to this, so we're not sure what his contacts are, who he's going to lean on. If you had to guess, it's probably they're going to lean on who the league recommends them to lean on, and maybe that's a guy like Charlie Casterly, again, which is probably bad news because he recommended McCagden and Bowles. He recommended that pairing, and it's been one of the three worst stretches in Jets franchise history these past four years. So that, I mean, that's just the, the blunt reality of it. So you got to hope that for some reason they decide to go outside the box, be creative with how they infuse new talent into the coaching staff in the front office, and hope with Darnold and a big free agent period and a good draft, everything clicks and starts moving forward in the right direction tangibly. Who do you think will remain on the offensive line next year from James Folks? Uh, <clears throat> I think Kelvin Beecham will probably be, again, you got to keep in mind that for all the flaws on the current unit, it's really hard to replace more than like two starters in a single off season and you want to have depth. So I think Beecham will be here. Shell will be here, but recovering off an injury. Um, they'll probably hang on to Spencer Long and use him at guard and try to go out a new center and a new guard to replace James Carpenter. Maybe they keep winners instead of Long. I- I'm not sure, but they just signed Long, so if it's the same front office, I could see them wanting to hang on to him. Uh, but I respect most of those guys to be back. Like, sure, you'd love to have a big, shiny new franchise left tackle, but you might not be able to get that, and Beecham's an okay hold-the-fork guy on fair money, so I could see him being back next year. <clears throat> All right. Let's see here. Uh, from SK Mills, if Bell goes somewhere, do you entertain Hunt? I expect to get this question a decent amount the offseason. If the Jets are going to retain McCagnan, there's a 0% chance they're going to sign Kareem Hunt. He has a long history, to his credit and his wife's credit, of working out 
working with domestic abuse uh, groups and advocacy groups. And there's a, there's a history there that's just not going to permit the Jets to sign Hutt. I think that's a good thing. I, you know, for, for everything I criticize McCadden about, I think that that's a great thing that him and his wife have been involved with. And I align with that. I just don't. I understand the Jets are desperate for talent, and you could go down a rabbit hole about about this argument. But you know, I just got to answer it honestly. Like, I'm not interested in bringing him here and paying him money, and it's just not. He will get another opportunity because he's really good, and I'm just not interested in seeing my team doing it. And I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that, but it ain't for me. So, um, on to the next question. Uh, da da. Let's see. Scroll through and find a good one here. How often would you be refreshing Twitter on 1231 looking for news of Bulls firing? Not often. The Jets are going to fire him on Black Monday. I think we all expect that. It's not really exciting. It's more interesting to see who they interview and if they might, the 10, 15% chance fire the GM. That's all I'm really interested in. Uh, but for Bulls, like, we know he's a goner. I don't, I don't think there's any surprise there. <clears throat> Let's see. Two more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. We'll get up to the half-hour mark. Kids held out well so far. I got to give him credit. He's just sitting here watching me talk through all this. Now, now he's starting to break a little bit. I jinxed it. Uh, I'll scroll up here. This was a good question uh, from our friend David. Should we caution against judging a potential coach or coordinator candidate based on their success or failure with a particular regime? For example, when Ben McAdoo was the OC, the Giants reached sixth overall in offense, and they were 11-5 and five in their first year with him as a head coach. And it's a fair point. Like, McAdoo has kind of became a meme because of how that last Giants season went. And it's probably not fair because he probably can be good or competent, maybe, as an offensive coordinator or a quarterback coach in the right situation. Although, again, doing it in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, it's kind of hard to see how that translates. Although he did have some moments with Eli. Uh, I just think the Jets are, as we know, very sensitive to media reaction. And I just think hiring McAdoo in any capacity – it's going to lead to too many jokes, and I just think they're going to avoid it. Uh, and that might be wrong, but I just think that's the reality of the situation. I mean, the Jets basically didn't hire Doug Marone because of the media reaction to it. Because Marone came in and said, you know, some things that I don't think the local media liked. I don't think he would have been a friendly person for the media to work with. And they went all out, and it moved the Jets' decision on who they wanted to hire as head coach. And here we are now. Uh, last question from... ACDF Steve, <clears throat> can you help me rationalize how on earth McCadden deserves another draft and a hundred million of salary cap space? I can't. And you know, one of the things I tweeted is that I've made my argument as to why I think they should change front office positions. I have not received back a good argument candidly on why they should keep him yet. That does not involve either inaccurate or exaggerated facts or um, is not based on sort of a redundant outplayed narrative. So the main argument you get back is that, well, they've built a great young core, and that usually is followed by over-exaggerating how great that young core is. The Jets have two foundational, <clears throat> proven foundational pieces right now. And it's generous to say Sam Darnold's proven because he's only played 11 games, but he's shown enough where you he's going to be your guy for the next few years. Jamal Adams is the only other one beyond that. Everyone else is... Not as good as Jet fans like to make them out to be. It doesn't mean they're not going to potentially be good players, but there's not really a core there. Um, the Every GM has misses, and the Jets have been league average or above average with their picks is just factually inaccurate. Just look up the stats from Jason OTC. They're in the bottom of every category in every round over the past four years. 
And, you know, the other ones that you just got to keep him for continuity's sake or he gets to pick his own coach. He was involved in the decision to hire Bowles. He gave, you know, he, he spent four or five days with the Jets before they made that decision. Was it his final decision? No, but he was aware of it and he could have spoke up if he wasn't comfortable with it. I don't know why he merits a promotion after going 24 and 40, but my mind is that the Jets ownership doesn't want to go through a full house clean and find a new GM or football czar. So they're going to go under stability, go under continuity. Local media is not pressuring them, and they'll stay with it. All right, JJ, held out for a half hour before uh, breaking down. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. We'll be back on Thursday talking about Jets Packers and previewing the Jets' final game of the regular season.